Hey guys, Mubarak here. If you're at all interested in crypto trading, investing, and figuring out what are the best altcoins to invest in now, check out altcoinresearch.com. We just launched our new course that goes through the A to Z, regardless of your background or experience. And I know you guys are going to love it. So go check it out. Hey guys, this is Mubarak Shah here of Penny Stock. Hope you're doing well. Uh, for today, I have an awesome guest on the show with us today. Uh, very, very interesting person who I think has a lot of useful knowledge for us today. And um, basically just want to get right into it in terms of, you know, I'll let you kind of give a little bit about your background, introduce yourself. As I mentioned, our audience is mainly, you know, people who have a, a day job, maybe do some trading, but really their main kind of interest is in investing and where to put their money. And you have a great concept, a great website, simple passive cash flow. And uh, yeah, take it away. Yeah, so currently I, I own 5,000 rental units. I am not working my engineering job anymore these days as the passive income has exceeded expenses. Um, but yeah, we're gonna try and dig in and teach people how to do this, how to get started, right? I mean. The way I started, I was working my engineering job that I didn't really like and just started to buy a rental property. Um, and I realized that the income that I brought in was more than expenses. And that's where I got hooked with this stuff. I realized if I just bought a handful of these things, I'll be able to quit my day job and, and quit. Um, but then, you know, went on this journey, um, just buying more and more rentals, started to learn the tax strategies of the wealthy and all these other tactics that the wealthy do. Okay, nice. So even before we dive into the details of that, give us a little bit, where were you working? What type of engineer were you, you know, and where was that kind of, you know, first moment of, I don't want to do engineering, maybe I want to look into something else. Yeah, so I mean, kind of growing up prior to that, I was always in like a pretty frugal household, told to not, um, not buy soft drinks at dinner, it's just a waste of money, just get freaking water, you know? Yeah. Like, um, also go to school, study hard, be a good little boy and, you know, work at a job for 40, 50 years, investing in that 401k, buy a house to live in, you know, that, in the U S or Hawaii or where at? in the U S. Okay. Yes. So um, that's what I call the linear path, right? A lot of my clients today are, are high net worth doctors, lawyers, engineers, accountants. Um, they're pretty good at saving their money, but, um, you know, kind of we're all misled by kind of going into all the traditional wealth building stuff that quite honestly just makes Wall Street rich, right? How else do they have these big buildings? Um, I got into this just by, again, just following the dogma of buying a house to live in, which I don't necessarily think is a great idea, but it allowed me to buy a house, which I just turned into a rental because when I was a, a construction supervisor, it was my first role. Mm -hmm. um, I was traveling all on the road so much. I was never home. So it's kind of silly for a young 20 something year old kid to have this big house that I was only home on Saturday. So I decided to rent it out, got a property manager to kind of fill it with a tenant and I was off and rolling. And, um, you know, who likes their first professional job, right? It's not and that was what, with like Craigslist or how'd you kind of find the tenant or, you That's, know, that I mean, type that, of risk in real estate, right? Is that, that was just to get extra cash flowing on the side or how did you kind of yeah, I mean, I just, I just called up an old college landlord and, you know, that's the, that's the big secret, guys. You guys shouldn't be doing all the property management. Hire it out. Pay 10% of the rents. Get it done professionally. Um, that's their job. I don't know how to change toilets. I don't know how to do evictions, you know. 
but I get the professionals that kind of do this for me. But a part of that is, you know, going into properties that cash flow. So we look for this thing called the 1% rent to value ratio or better. 1% rent to value ratio. Okay. Right. So you take the monthly rent, mm-hmm. monthly rent divided by the purchase price. And, you know, that's the equation. So we're looking for something that's 1% or higher. So for example, you know, if you, we don't buy places in primary markets like Seattle, California, New York, Hawaii, the numbers don't work. Correct. Yeah. Much dumb money there. I mean, you'll be lucky to buy a place in the ghetto for 400 grand that rents for 2000 a month. 2000 by 400 grand is half a percent. No, yeah. no it's not going to work. Um, so we're mostly buying properties in secondary and tertiary markets. You know, places like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Memphis, Little Rock, you know, kind of like less known, less sexy places like that. Where you can yeah. Flow. And do you find like any issues? So I've, I've thought about this and I've done some kind of uh, podcasts in the past related to, to real estate. You know, that's always one of the best places outside of the, the market. And sometimes even better real estate is kind of the, the long term. You know, if you look at the billionaires in the world, there's majority of them have attained their wealth or sustained it through real estate. So that's always kind of the pivotal kind of goal, um, American dream, quote unquote. But uh, where do you kind of see in terms of like those areas, right? How do you end up finding the tenant? Like does a property management company do all of that? Or, um, you know, I've, I've seen other people have kind of some bad luck with figuring out the right tenants for those types of areas. You know, it might be kind of lower income, different credit scores and stuff, you know? Yeah. Do you find I mean, that problem or? You know, maybe kind of starting at the top, you know, like my group, we, we're passive real estate investors. We're not broke guys. We have good paying jobs. So we don't flip houses, wholesale houses, or doing all this stuff on our own. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's cool when you're younger, your net worth is under 100 grand. You got to do that type of stuff or you don't make more than 50, 60 grand a year at a job. Um, you may have to do those types of things. But again, you know, most of my folks are higher net worth. You know, they're able to save 10, 20 grand a year at least to buy yeah. a more passive rental. And part of that is, you know, buying properties that can support a professional property manager to k- take care of this black box for you. Got it. And that person, that person would, so it's fully passive, meaning... Do you guys pool together in order to invest like real estate crowdfunding or is it all separate and you guys kind of just go through like the group and have the community there? Yeah. I mean, we have kind of two, two prongs, right? Like when you're starting out and you're kind of under a quarter million dollars net worth, in my opinion, you have to kind of just do it yourself. I mean, that's what I did from 2009 to 2015 when I worked my way up to about 11 rental properties. But nice. most accredited investors will agree that rental properties are kind of a pain in the butt Mm -hmm. Uh, great returns and you guys under half a million quarter of a million dollars you guys will get there at some point start off with the rental properties for now because you learn it and you build your network but what i started to realize when i had 11 rental properties is that accredited high net worth investors they invest in these things called private placements and syndications Yeah. yeah these are the country club deals where you come in as a passive investor and you put in the money passively. You don't do anything. You're not the operator. But what's also cool is you don't have any debt in your name. You're a limited partner in terms of legal liability. You're not a managing member. And, you know, like you sit back and you cash the checks and let your general partners, such as ourselves, do everything for you. Got it. Got it. So 
going back to your kind of initial first 2009 to 2015, um, how much did you need to put aside for your first investment and how did it kind of that go, that first rental? Yeah. So, I mean, all these like no money down strategies, I think they're all gimmicks. Yeah. For the broke guys to buy all they try to get other people's money in and all that. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the way we do it, man, we just pure saving, right? Hard work (laughs) and saving. You're going to need 20% down payment. So if you're targeting, you know, we will start off people with like, you know, a hundred thousand dollar houses that rent for a thousand bucks a month. So 20% is 20 grand. Maybe you might want to have an extra five, 10 grand of cash reserves just in case something happens. Yeah. So, you know, 20, 30 grand is kind of the bare minimum to get started. Nice. And then they have to usually have what, two years of wages in order to get the mortgage and stuff like that. Like they have to have their tax returns and they'll need to have that type of, what's the kind of like the income leverage threshold. I'm, I bet it's based off the savings of that they can actually accumulate for the down payment, but. How do yeah, you I mean, in terms of that? in terms of lenders, what they're looking at primarily is debt service coverage ratio. Okay. Um, and then you know it's not really how much you 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 make. I mean the the, the down payment you're going to need twenty percent. Right. Mm. The next criteria is a debt service coverage ratio at least fifty percent, and they're going to want to see at least a couple of years of you know stable W two earnings if you're a W two worker. Right. If you own your own business, it's a little more trickier, but or you know, to get, and to get the best rate, you're going to want to have like a 680 credit score. You can get it, you can get in with like a 500, 600 credit score, but you're going to be paying a higher rate. Correct. Yeah. But hey, and I mean, so, okay. it still could be very worth it. Got it. And so at Simple Passive Cash Flow, what do you guys kind of help with? Do you guys have, is it mainly a community to kind of push people or kind of talk a little bit about how you got started with Simple Passive Cash Flow and what it is? Yeah, so kind of similar to yourself, right? Like we, you know, in our younger days, we'd kind of just do this. Nobody, we, we didn't have a podcast. We didn't have a website. Um, I would just kind of buy rental property, sight unseen. Yeah. And all my buddies would ask me, well, how the heck do I buy a property in Birmingham and visit it? And, you know, you tell your buddies, right? But none of them ever take action. And, and yeah. <laughs> so I started to make a podcast, started to record it back in 2016. And at that time I had, 11 rentals at that time, but I was kind of transitioning, becoming more of an accredited investor, selling off the rentals and going into private placements and syndications. Um, So my podcast, Full Passive Cashflow, is kind of that in the beginning, it kind of teaches you the basics of rental property ownership, especially doing it remotely and passively. But then, you know, as I've kind of grown my network, joined different masterminds, I've learned a lot of the secrets of the wealthy. And it's kind of frustrated me that all of these secrets are very implementable by anybody, but they're very yeah. counterintuitive that, than what we're kind of all taught by your parents, coworkers, et cetera. What's one that like stands out or that you feel that most people could definitely hear and kind of absorb? Maybe it's common mantra, but what do you feel stands out the most? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I mentioned it earlier, right? We don't, I don't think buying a house to live in is a good idea, but I mean, I think one that I think definitely as a shocker is like wealthy people don't do retirement accounts make to me they make no sense um here's kind of my there's kind of a four point reason why first reason um when you invest in a retirement well you're gonna not pay taxes on it initially but you're gonna pay taxes at some point yeah i for one and i think you too we're gonna be paying a higher tax rate in the future because we're gonna be making more money in a higher tax bracket so 
let's pay the damn taxes now and get it out now so we can pay it at a lower tax bracket today. Number two, look where this country is going. What, how else are we going to pay for all these government entitlement programs but this, like, raise the taxes in the future? Yeah. Therefore, pay your taxes today. Point three, um, you know, the hard thing with these, like, these retirement accounts, you got to wait till you're damn near, what, 65, 70, who knows yeah. what it'll be, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm already retired. I want to eat that money today. Nice. And then lastly, here's the big thing. Here's the big kicker, right? Like, most people will argue that a retirement fund is tax gross tax free, which it does. But here's where, for people in my group and myself included, we invest in real estate. And when you invest in real estate, you get all the passive losses from these investments mm-hmm. that makes the thing tax free anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. But here's the big, big kicker. In 2018, they came up with all these bonus depreciation laws, which I know you're aware of. So a lot of times when I go into a deal, we do a cost segregation. We pull out a boatload of passive activity losses. And a lot of my clients use these to lower their active ordinary income. Now, if they invested via a retirement fund, they'd be not, they wouldn't be able to do this. They wouldn't get all these big full of supply of passive losses. So correct, correct. really, I mean, is there any good reason why to use retirement account? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only way that I kind of recommend it is it's kind of just like if your company offers it, it's like mandatory savings for you. You know, a lot of people have some trouble just keeping that money aside. But I absolutely agree with you in terms of like, you know, COVID especially has helped people being able to kind of pull out from it. But a lot of people just stick with the old kind of concept, you know, buy a home, even, you know, if it's not paying you, like the concept that you're talking about is makes a lot of sense. You know, sometimes it, it people aspire to that goal, but it's not going to be what it's up. It's almost like locks them down rather than helps them out. Yeah. So. And, and you kind of hit it on the head right there. It, there's a paradigm shift to all this stuff. Wealthy people that are good with their money that are able to invest in tax advantage, things like real estate, get rid of this stuff. Right. But for some people it becomes a forced piggy bank, just like buying a house. I mean, why you you don't want to buy a house because you want to take that down payment that you would have sunk in that house and now you have four or five families paying down your mortgage for you on buying rentals whereas like if you would have bought a a house like the only reason why you would do that and i and i think this applies to most people out there this is the whole discussion of the paradigms between people who are moving up in the world people that kind of just economically stagnant most people suck at finances where they just spend too much money to, or they don't make enough money. Yeah. And, and, and they don't track it at all ever. <laughs> right. Right. And look, I'm not here to say it's right or wrong, but for those people, maybe it's best to buy a house because they just can't keep their grubby hands off their money. So they need to pay a mortgage, which is a forced piggy bank. Yeah. So, yeah. That they can pull equity out of down the line or get a HELOC against or something. Just get, Right. Well, sense, because yeah. they'll spend it, right? Like yeah. if they don't put two thousand dollars to their mortgage every month, they'll spend it. They burn it on other stuff. Yeah. No, I actually know people like that very close to me that are just like that, and they'll even do something. So, what do you think about this? People that actually 
I mean, you, I probably know what you're going to say, but people that change their, like all the refinancings going on, uh, a lot of people I know that you'd be surprised about, but I want to hear your take is they switched from 30 year to 15 year. Now they say it's the interest savings, but kind of what's your take on that? Is that something you would push or in what case is that an ideal scenario? I mean, we always go the longest period because the debt is the most important, is the most valuable part of this whole thing, right? Like I think people have the whole idea of debt as backwards. They think debt's a bad thing. Well, not yeah. always, right? There's a, there's, again, this is a paradigm shift between good debt and bad debt. If you have a fixed rate debt, you want to pay it in the future, right? Like if you have a $500,000 mortgage right now, if you pay it back in the, in the future, 30 years from now, that 500 grand isn't worth nearly as much as 500 grand is worth today. And this is why mm -hmm. governments go into huge amount of debt. Most people say, oh, you know, this is stupid. Your debt's going up. But the governments know what they're doing. Bank, this is what banks do, right? But for some reason, lay people, they have this all backwards, right? They're taught that debt is all bad. Yeah. So, how, mean, do you, how do you get over that concept? You know, that was even something difficult for me in terms of like, it, but what do you recommend for people that come to you that, you know, don't want to take that mortgage or just feel like it, it stops them because they don't want to have that mass. Like you, you know, when you have your 11 mortgages even or so, or, or rental properties or so, I know you probably paid off a bunch on the way and refinance paid them off. But how, what's your advice there for people like that have that fear of debt? I mean, I'm the engineer. Just do what the numbers say. Numbers don't lie. Right. Like, so this is a, this is a key thing that somebody told me a long time ago. Sophisticated investors don't care about interest rate or debt. Um, it's funny how everybody else does, right? What do sophisticated yeah. investors look at? They look at what's happening to their net worth, right? What the return on equity is to growing their net worth and the cash flow in the interim because the cash flow is the, is the oxygen that keeps yes. them in line to hold on to the assets that's growing their net worth. So for example, if you have a house that's all paid off, you're not making jack on that money. Your return mm -hmm. on equity is like zero to 2%. Correct. Right? Whereas if you effectively leverage that money into six to 12 rental properties, your money is growing 20 to 30%. That's really all it is. And make sure that you're, you're leveraged appropriately, prudently, so that you're able to cash flow and hold on to the asset should any economic times happen. And this is why the basis of the way we invest is we go into deals at cash flow day one even if you know there's some economic times like a pandemic comes around, we still cash flow, we hold on to the asset and we try and acquire as much debt and it's just a waiting game. We just wait to the, the kind of the debt kind of devalues ourselves. Not so much paying down the mortgage, but over time, inflation is our friend. If you're out there saving your money, you're going to be a loser for sure. Yeah. Because this is getting less valuable every day because of inflation. Yeah. And the, this is the, why the government likes it, because unlike taxes, when you raise taxes to raise revenue, to pay for stuff, people get pissed off, right? They stop, they complain, they stop voting for their politicians. But yeah. for some strange reason, when people think about inflation, they think about it some kind of ghost or it's some insidious thing or it's like gravity. You know, it's, not, yeah. it's not their fault, you know? Yes, the politicians and all these people in Congress, they know exactly what's going on. And they know exactly what the general public doesn't care about. I mean, they won't blame it on them. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So how do you recommend people find their first, uh, like, find a property? Do you use Zillow? Do you have certain tools or softwares or resources? 
to find like where they should invest or say, I have $20,000. I want to get into this game. What do I do? Yeah. I mean, Zillow is a great place to start. I mean, it's not the best data, but you know, just, just get freaking started. Right. I mean, yeah. Look for places where the numbers make sense. The 1% rent to value ratio. And unfortunately it probably won't be where you live. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have to get over that mental hump of investing where you don't live. Um, and then, you know, learn about the numbers. If they want to go to my website, get my free um, spreadsheet analyzer. They can go simple passivecashflow.com slash analyzer. Download I'll link it for that free. Below in the description I mean, in the comments. Yeah. So rent to value ratio 1%, then throw in the analyzer and then go analyze 20, 30 properties and go figure out what the best one is. All in that time, find a good property manager and you're off and rolling. Simple. Got it. Got it. How, how about people that, you know, think I've heard this a bunch when I, especially, um, you know, as a CPA in business with several clients, people say that real estate's too boring. What do you say to that? Awesome. Boring investment <laughs> is what I love, right? Yeah. Look, I got 5,000 units and they're all boring. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> right. I want that something true. that yeah. through a pandemic comes around and I'm in, unimpacted. Right. I want something true. super boring. It's all like, you know, people, got it in our head that they want exciting investments like tech startups i yeah. want like commodities that are super boring that perform really well in recessions that at the end of the day are kind of they're they're commodities needed by regular people right and that's where we focus yeah. on workforce housing right? we don't buy the high-end luxury stuff we're on the low end too but we're in kind of this middle ground workforce housing class b and c housing rents from 700 bucks to $1,400 a month, right? And that's what this country needs more of, a growing demand because there's a growing population and a shrinking yeah. middle class and growing lower middle class, which will be served. Interesting, okay. And then what's kind of your take on, you know, I, I know that the more significant part of all of this is being able to have that house as an asset essentially, but for people that look into like real estate crowdfunding or, um, well, turnkey rentals, you know, I, think, I don't know if you've seen those online. What's your take on those? Are those the things people should get into or? Yeah. I mean, again, if, if your net worth is under a quarter million, I would say start off with a rental property. A turnkey rental is how I started, right? These guys will fix up the property for you, put in a tenant in there. It's like rental property and training wheels. Sometimes they'll even yeah. manage it for you. Um, I have a guide on my website for free, simple slash turnkey. Um, I'll give your guys my free like e-course, like eight hours of videos, how to do this stuff. And link it up I would love that later. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We'll sync but, up that after. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, just get out there and buy the first rental property and then get going down the road. Um, so how, later, how did you make that jump from one, to, I mean, 11 in 2015, you had about to 5,000 now. Is that like accredited investor kind of conglomerate, you know, group based buying or. Where does that jump kind of come into play? Yeah, I mean, we're, now we're buying them instead of onesies, twosies. We're buying them in sets of 150 to 300 at a time. It's actually a lot right. easier. Our property managers are a lot more, you know, professional in the commercial realm. Um, just the reason why we do bigger assets is because we stay above mom and pop investors, like the amateurs overpaying. They typically buy, you know, two units, one unit, eight units, 16 units, like about below two or $3 million yeah. purchase price. And then we stay above, below like the institutions, you know, that are just investing people's dumb retirement money. 
for like Blackstone and Blackrock and those right, ones that just right. buy out a bunch. Okay, these so are, you don't face the guys, them in deals on that. Right. So we kind of, there's this void, right, between, I don't know, maybe $5 million to $40, $30, 40000000 million that we like to stay in because we feel like it's less competition. And our business plans, we, we do value add to the property. So we rehab all the units. Four to six thousand dollars that we have per unit doesn't sound like very much, but when we do it two or three hundred times, we get some good economies of scales, changing appliances, bump the rents up, and then we package it up for the lazy REITs who eventually buy our product. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So what's kind of next for you? What uh what's the game plan? Five thousand rentals now. You must just do this for fun now at this point. Uh, I mean, it's still work, right? But yeah. I mean, it's just keep doing more boring stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Find something that works. Just do more of it. Is there anything you would say that you see is like the most common mistake outside of like, okay, not investing, right? But for people who now get into it, right? They get started. What's kind of like a common mistake or something to look out for or some kind of cautionary advice you would give to people? Yeah, I mean, a lot of my my clients um we don't have very many guys making under 50 grand a year like a lot of those guys are the active guys the house flippers the wholesalers the guys doing these burr strategies buy rent rehab repair sounds cool but it's really high active i think the big mistake that i see a lot of my clients make or you know they they kind of get involved in it but they fail to realize what Uh, their highest and best use is right like i mean your they touch into use. the rental and then they get obsessed with the wholesaling and the flipping and the burrs and everything. Yeah. Or Is even they, they kind of get more obsessed with the, they make the whole passive investing thing a little bit more active than it should be. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we're all here trading time for money. Yeah. You yeah. got to figure out what, where you're getting your highest multiple from first and then just go all in and at that. That said, there's a certain amount of minimum effective dose that you can, if you're a doctor, a little bit of learning, in the right place can get you like exponential returns on the real estate side, but make the mistake. Mr. Doctor should still play doctor a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And just use this to build their assets on the meantime and stuff. Right. Right. Okay. It's like if you and I were seven foot guys, we'd be playing basketball, right? That just makes yeah. sense, <laughs> but we're yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. So people get too involved into it. Okay. Awesome. That's interesting. So once you have this kind of set up, right, how do you, you have like your own team of accountants and lawyers and stuff that kind of help you set up or were you, and let's go back to 2009, 2015, right? Because most of the people here are, are in that situation. You just mentioned that they're active working a job. They're listening to this on the car ride or at, at the office or whatever. And they want to do something with their savings. They want to do something. And this seems like a great, you know, specific portion of it, but what do they need to kind of get started besides like, you know, finding the property? Yeah. I mean, very common question. Like, Oh, shouldn't I get like an LLC or asset protection? I'm going to pause here and to do the disclaimer. I'm not a, yeah. I'm a CPA, but still this isn't real. Right. 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 So I will tell people like, look, if you're one of the best, asset protection strategies being broke nobody wants to see you're not worth it right yeah Um, a lion doesn't want to go kill a squirrel he's got better (laughs) stuff to do right so if your net worth is under a hundred thousand quarter million dollars you're a squirrel really i mean 
is it worth you paying a thousand dollars for an LLC to get all set up? May or may not be right. If you're freaked out about it, just go get it. Right. But a thousand dollars is a big chunk of your profits on a rental property in one year. Right? You got to ask yourself if it's, if it's worth it. Um, I personally never got an LLC or any of that set up until I had, you know, more than a handful of rental properties, put it that way. Got um, it. I think it's important to not put the horse in front of the cart, cart in front of the horse. Yeah, you're not um, got <laughs> Despite most, most lawyers would probably argue with, against me. No, that's fine. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the thing I like about yourself right off the bat is that you, I mean, it's, it's clear. You have the experience. You've done it. You have the rentals, you know? So it's like your, some of your advice right off the bat is a little bit non-traditional, but it's real because you've done it. You've shown that how it works. So that's why I really like kind of having you on. Um, anything else you want to kind of mention to the audience or so? How about you tell them a little bit about where to find you, your podcast, and um, I'll put all the links below, but. Yeah, if they, um, they want to go to check out my podcast, Simple Passive Cashflow, Passive Real Estate Investing is kind of where to find me. And then we have a lot of guides at simplepassivecashflow.com. Um, kind of reach out through, through you. They can get access to the free course, the, the remote investing light course to get started there. But look, guys, I mean, I know it's going to happen. You're going to read about it. You know, all this cash investing stuff, you're going to be interested. But as we were kind of talking about earlier, right? Like, most people they just give up but like i mean here here's my argument is like look guys like we know what's going to happen if you guys keep doing what you're doing and you're going to work for 40 50 years with this stuff i mean most of my clients are able to get financially free in five to ten years i mean financially free we're talking about ten thousand dollars passive income a month it's not gonna it's not a get rich quick thing but it's a get rich surely thing but you just got to get started and you got to educate yourself to get moving um and here the frustrating thing kind of what i do what i do is like if everybody just listened to what i said and just start off buying a handful of rentals right they would probably create you know not all of their paycheck but like they'd get moving down the road to and they definitely see like hey at some point in the very near future i'll be able to tell my boss to go screw off and i'm yeah. gonna quit right so, but if you think about it, like society cannot function like this. True, true. <laughs> like, yeah. if everybody you just said what I did. staying in the employees and right. staying in that nature. Yeah. Right. So if you want to be like everybody else, cool. Because we need people to get our coffee for us. We need people <laughs> to do our like tax returns. We need people to build bridges for us. We need people to play doctor. Financial independence is not for everybody. It's for those people who kind of move forward and execute and kind of get a little bit of their comfort zone, especially in the beginning. 100%. I love that. Well, thank you so much, man. Uh, probably going to sign up something with you to get you on again, because this is great. Um, and I'll leave in the description below and probably send out an email. We'll talk about the, how the people can get access to the, to the course that you have, but awesome. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Appreciate cool, it. Cool, man.